This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thanks so much for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, your host. Uh, not at the kitchen table this week, not uh, around the fire, and unfortunately, uh, no uh, Miss E on this episode. But we do have updates from the 40 Acres and uh, some stories from rural America that are just absolutely mind-boggling. Um, so first, I do want to get to an update. I know, uh, and thank you again for keeping Missy in your thoughts and your prayers. I wish that I had uh, better news to report. Unfortunately, I don't. Um, so uh, for the past two weeks, Missy has uh, been on a cortico- corticosteroid. Um, the, you know, the, the original diagnosis that she had received way back Around Memorial Day was pneumonia. She went through a round of antibiotics. Um, the mass in her lung didn't change, and so then there was a biopsy. The biopsy came back entirely negative. So they thought, well, maybe it's it's a different kind of pneumonia, uh, and they put her on the corticosteroid. And I'll be really honest with you, both of us thought uh, that she had been showing some improvement, and we were wrong. She uh, went to the doctor this week, and uh, the mass still hasn't changed. So the bad news is it didn't shrink with the uh, corticosteroid, and that means that it is not pneumonia. The good news is it didn't grow, uh, and so it has not changed um, for at least a couple of months since uh, since you know her first uh, CT scan back in May. But we just don't know what it is, and the doctors don't know what it is. So the uh, next step is to uh, do another scan, and uh, the doctor's talking now about surgery, uh, and it doesn't sound like surgery is optional. It sounds like the surgery is coming uh, one way or the other. So um, it's now got to the point where this has become, you know, it's gone from being something where we were mildly concerned about, but we thought it could be treated, uh, to something that is now kind of freaky, honestly, uh, and really, really uh, worrisome just because we don't, I should say just because we don't have any answers, but that's a big part of it. We, we don't have any answers. And so your mind tends to uh, go towards the, the worst possibilities. Uh, you consider the worst possibilities, and maybe sometimes you dwell on those worst possibilities. So um, we're all a little on edge this week uh, here on the 40 Acres, and uh, hopefully in about a week or so, uh, maybe a little bit more, we'll have more information on what's going on. But, uh, but in the meantime, uh, please keep Missy in your thoughts and your prayers. They are greatly appreciated. Um, I, I can tell you she feels fine. Uh, there's no pain. There's no discomfort. Uh, that's one of the things that has the doctors so uh, so curious. And they still they, they still don't think this looks or acts like cancer, but they don't know what it is. And so having ruled out 
uh, pneumonia, having ruled out fungal uh, infections, having ruled out, you know, all of the things that uh, that wouldn't be cancer, um, or at least, the you know, the, the things that they've thought of that uh, would not be cancer. Uh, I, I think the concern or they're thinking now is, well, maybe it is cancer and it's not acting like cancer. But um, honestly, the doctors at this point are stumped. So that's where we are. And uh, I will certainly keep you informed. And again, I, I really appreciate all of your thoughts and your prayers for Missy. And uh, go ahead and include the kids uh, if you if you want to in your thoughts and your prayers this week. This has been uh, pretty hard for them, especially our, our grown kids who, you know, really, I think, kind of understand what's going on. Um, we've been keeping all of our kids in the loop here. But, uh, you know, when you're when you're young, you think that your parents are invincible. They just, they just are. Um, I remember my dad had a heart attack when I was uh, a kid and, and, you know, it was a pretty serious deal, but to me it was just, well, well, dad's still here. Right. So dad's okay. Uh, and you don't necessarily know all of the, uh, the uncertainties. That's one of the good things about being a kid, I suppose, is you don't think about the, uh, the, the uncertainties that exist in life. But, uh, if you could keep them in your thoughts and your prayers as well, I, I would certainly appreciate it. So beyond the uh, the health concerns, um, Missy's again, she's still doing great. She's knitting up a storm. I, I think she's got another baby blanket that she's been working on right now. We uh, uh, because our tomatoes did not come in this. Well, you have to plant them, I suppose, in order for them to come in. Uh, so because we don't have tomatoes this year, uh, we are getting ready to go to a local uh, orchard and small farm this weekend. They have their paste tomatoes that are available for sale. 25 pounds, I think for $12.50. So that's not too bad. So we'll probably pick up about 50 pounds of paste tomatoes so we can still get our tomato sauce and our uh, canned tomatoes to use this winter. We're going to uh, hit up a local farmer's market uh, over the weekend as well. And there's a little uh, festival that goes on with this farmer's market every second Saturday. It's in a, a little town about, I, I was going to say about halfway between uh, Charlottesville and Farmville, but uh, it's a little closer to Charlottesville. It's a little town called Scottsville. Uh, it's a cute little town. It's right there on the James River. They uh, they, they launched some float trips uh, from there in Scottsville. You've got the uh, Tavern on the James, which is a, a kind of a cool sports bar uh, restaurant. There's, uh, you know, a lot of shopping up on Main Street. Uh, occasionally, occasionally, some of these celebrities that live in around Charlottesville will pop into the Baines Coffee Shop for a uh, cup of coffee. I myself have not seen any of the local celebrities uh, like John Grisham or Dave Matthews, but a friend of mine uh, has been in the coffee shop several times when Mr. Matthews has come in for his cup of coffee. I think that's kind of cool. And apparently nobody bothers him. Just, you know, there's, there's Dave. I'd probably, I'd probably bother him just a little bit. Just hi. Hi, Dave. How you doing? So we're uh, planning on a, a weekend um, of getting ready for the fall, actually, and sort of getting ready for winter. I know it's going to be like mid-90s this weekend. Summer is still uh, very much upon us, but with our kids back in school now, uh, we're, our minds are sort of turning to fall. This will be uh, I, one of the uh, last weekends that I have at home for a few weeks, so I'm looking forward to uh, spending time with my wife and with my kids and uh 
getting some stuff done uh, actually around the house as well. The uh, uh, we've been really really busy just with our personal lives and then, uh, work lives. So the honey do list has been growing and it will be tackled this weekend on the forty acres. One of the plans is to uh, clear out a couple of garden beds so that we can plant some fall crops, uh, including Brussels sprouts, which we're going to try to plant for the first time. I, I hope I'm not a little late with that, but uh, it is a fall crop, so we're going to try to get those in the ground. Uh, one of the other disappointing things that had uh, that, that occurred on the uh, the farm this week, so last summer, um, Miss E, uh, in a... a burst of energy while I was at work one day, uh, went out and got nine apple trees and planted nine little uh, saplings, of which probably three were eaten by deer that first fall. So then we were left with six. Uh, And then uh, I think there was a lawnmower accident that took care of one. I think another uh, uh, one got eaten earlier this year. And the biggest one that we had, the one that I was like, all right, well, if all the other ones go away, at least this one uh, is going to remain. And it's getting big enough. Uh, Snapped in two one morning this week. I don't know what I don't know what got it. I don't know if a clumsy deer fell on it. I don't know if we had a a bear wander through the orchard in the middle of the night. There are bears around and uh, this just, you know, snapped in two. But uh, the biggest apple tree that we had is now gone. So we're down to three, and they're kind of stumpy. Uh, they've been nibbled on. So I don't know what we're going to do about that. Um, I, I would really like to have some apple trees in our orchard. So uh, when we go to this orchard slash small farm this weekend, I think we're going to be looking at uh, possibly buying some uh, bigger trees past the sapling stage and at least getting a couple of them so that we could hopefully enjoy our own apples at uh, some point in the near future. All right, uh, we are going to take a quick time out here on this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network, but we have much more on the way, so stick around. We'll be right back right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Thanks again for being a part of this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, your host, coming to you from the heart of Virginia, right outside of Farmville, Virginia, where the 2016 vice presidential debate will be taking place in early October. The town is getting ready for it. The banners are starting to appear on the uh, street lamps around town. The stickers promoting the debate are starting to show up on some of the businesses uh, around town. It's going to be really, really interesting to see this small town uh, become the, uh, the the media epicenter of the United States for probably you know about a 24-hour period, maybe a 48-hour period. Um, but there's going to be you know a couple of days beforehand as the uh, the tech crews are showing up and. 
setting up the SAT trucks and uh, you'll you'll have an additional law enforcement presence in town. Secret Service will be in town beforehand. So I imagine things are going to start to get really busy uh, in preparation for the debate in uh, about a month or so, uh, starting in mid-September, maybe a little bit later than that. But it's rapidly approaching. And I got to say, the the people here in Farmville are excited about it. This is a chance to, I think, show off. Uh, a, a great little community, although I, I, and I haven't wanted to be the one to tell them, uh, but I have a feeling that they're going to make Farmville look awful. I, I really do. Um, I don't know if we've talked about this on the program before. I had no idea that uh, uh, this had occurred in uh, Prince Edward County back in the uh, 1950s, but uh, Prince Edward County Schools, where Farmville is located, this was uh, actually one of the cases that became Brown versus Board of Education. And in fact, the majority of the students uh, who sued in these lawsuits over segregated schools uh, did not come from Topeka, Kansas. That was where uh, the, the plaintiff came from. So it was Brown versus Topeka Board of Education. But there were a number of complaints that have been filed around the country, uh, one of them here in Prince Edward County over the uh, segregated schools. And when Brown versus Board of Education came down, uh, Prince Edward County decided to uh, engage, well, I shouldn't say the county, uh, some in the county decided to engage in what was called massive resistance. They ended up closing the schools for five years rather than integrate. And this didn't happen, by the way, in every county across the South. It didn't happen in every county in Virginia. In fact, it didn't happen in uh, the neighboring counties uh, around Prince Edward. But uh, Prince Edward uh, did engage in massive resistance, and you did have um, the public schools shut down. You had a lot of uh, church schools and, and you know small private schools that opened up to educate uh, the kids in that five-year period, uh, mostly the white kids, the black kids in town were taught in a lot of church basements uh, and were taught uh, in, in homes. And it was, you know, again, this was an awful development uh, for the community. It was an awful development, I think, for these kids uh, who didn't have a say, but for five years uh, had their lives and their education Uh, absolutely disrupted. Now, I will tell you this, uh, Farmville in 2016 is not uh, Farmville in 1954. It's a very different community. Uh, And it is a, again, I think a great small town. Uh, You've got a lot of really good folks here who are uh, proud of this community and they're trying to, uh, uh, to build. They're aware of the past. And they don't ignore the past. As a matter of fact, the uh, um, uh, black high school, or what used to be the black high school, is now a civil rights museum. The uh, courthouse a few years ago, they installed a uh, light of reconciliation, uh, recognizing, you know, again, the way things used to be, uh, but also the changes uh, that have come to the town. And I worry and I suspect uh, that a lot of the media coverage will not focus so much on the uh, changes that have come to the town since 1954, but they will, in fact, focus on uh, what the uh, community did in uh, 1954 and uh, in the years afterwards in engaging in massive resistance. So I I hope, I really do hope that... um, the community will be able to tell the story of Farmville today and that the media will listen 
uh, to that story. But I'll be honest with you, uh, given the media coverage that we have seen, not just of the election, but uh, frankly, the media coverage of issues uh, these days, I'm 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 not confident that the media uh, is going to do a bang up job in um, in talking about the town of Farmville. But I hope that I'm wrong. I really do. Now, one of those changes that's coming to Farmville, I'm really excited about this. If you live in Virginia, if you live, uh, you know, uh, somewhere uh, drivable to Farmville, the uh, almost the geographic center of the state of Virginia, uh, starting August 26th, I believe that is the official opening date now. I'll let you know if that changes. But there's a new business opening up in Farmville called the Virginia Tasting Room. Uh, I'm really excited about this. My friend Tommy and uh, his partners at Charlie's Waterfront Cafe are opening this up. Uh, This is going to be uh, sort of a a one-stop wine shop for uh, local Virginia wines. I think they're going to be over a dozen uh, wineries. Uh, if you've you know gone to the wineries across Virginia, uh, you know they usually have a tasting room. They've got a, uh, a a nice little patio where people will sit outside. Some of the wineries will have events on the weekends. Um, this is going to be like what you would find at a tasting room. Uh, only instead of one winery being there, there'll be again more than a dozen, uh, all from Virginia. And it's a, a great location. It's right on the Appomattox River. It's a, a beautiful setting. Um, it's a uh, it's it's, it's going to be really exciting, I think. And uh, hopefully, it'll be a draw for uh, folks coming into the town. A uh, great way for folks to while away a Saturday or Sunday afternoon. And I, I you know, I'll be really, uh, truly blunt with you. I've not been a fan of the Virginia wines that I have tasted in the past. I really haven't. Uh, a lot of the wines are just sort of I don't know. There's something. Just it's 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 a triple A wine. Um, at least a lot of the Virginia wines that I've had. It's not major league. It's triple A. I've even had a couple of double A's. But I've had the opportunity to sample uh, some of the wines that are going to be in the Virginia tasting room, and I can tell you these are major league. I was really stunned at how I didn't know that there was good Virginia wine. I thought the Virginia wine that I had had was you know representative of the wines made in Virginia, and that yeah, you know it's. It's, it's certainly not what you'd find uh, even in California or uh, Chile or, uh, or, or, you know, France. But um, I am revising my opinion rapidly the, uh, the more that I've had a chance to sample. There are some excellent vineyards across the state of Virginia. Uh, the problem is, you know, again, they're all across the state of Virginia. And so you could spend a week uh, just driving uh, to all of the wineries in the state. And they're more opening up all of the time. We've actually looked into what it would take to uh, to open up our own vineyard. Not our own winery, but to open up our own vineyard. We need an acre of, of grapes. We might have to do a GoFundMe to fund the uh, the Corny Goat Vineyard at some point in the future, but that's going to be at some point in the future. Uh, right now, we're just sampling some of the excellent wines that uh, will be there at the Virginia Tasting Room. And uh, again, I think, it's, I, I, I think it's a really cool concept. I don't think it's been done uh, in the state of Virginia before. And, you know, again, I think it's going to be a uh, another really great addition to a really great small town. All right, we're going to step away for a moment or two. We do have much more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network still to come. So stick around. We'll be back right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. 
progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Still to come here on this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network, we're going to get to some of your emails. Uh, the email address is 40acrefool at gmail.com, 40acrefool at gmail.com. And it, it, feel free this week uh, to send your emails, your uh, your words of support and encouragement. Just, uh, uh, you know, even if you just want to say, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about you, Missy. Uh, I know that she would really appreciate it. She's not here. She would be embarrassed if she heard me say this. Hopefully she won't listen to this week's episode. But uh, if if you are a listener, even if you've never emailed before, um, she would really, really love hearing from you. And uh, and I would really, really appreciate it as well. So, again, the email address is 40acrefool, 40acrefool at gmail.com. So we're going to get to some emails uh, in the next segment, but I ran across this story. I talked about it with Kurt Schlichter this week on NRA News Cam and Company uh, because it's out of California and Kurt lives in California. And I like to uh, tease him about uh, what's going on in his state whenever I have the possibility to do so. The Guardian newspaper reporting that uh, California is attempting to curb emissions of methane released by cows. The California Air Resources Board has a a goal of reducing methane emissions by 40% by 2030 uh, from uh, 2013 levels. And they've targeted the uh, 5.5 million beef and dairy cows, as well as the manure that they create there in the state of California. So they want fewer burps, fewer farts from the cows in California. How do they plan on doing this? Well, the Guardian says a strategy document produced by the regulator states that improved manure management practices, new diets for cattle, and, quote, gut microbial interventions could help cut the amount of methane released into the atmosphere. State legislators are currently considering a bill to enforce these suggestions. Now, I'll be honest with you, I, I don't know, I don't know anything about manure uh, practices. I just, I, 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 I can't help there. Uh, don't know much about uh, gut microbial interventions, to be quite honest with you. But I am a little familiar with what cows eat and and their diets, um, and they mostly eat grass. You know, so the cows that we have—not uh, our cows, but the cows that are our neighbors' cows. Uh, who show up uh, in our pasture on a fairly regular basis. You know, again, these are uh, quote-unquote free-range cows. That's that's what they do. They wander from pasture to pasture. Uh, they eat the pasture, uh, the grass there in the pasture. Uh, they get big and strong, and then hopefully the beef prices uh, are high enough that eventually they can turn into delicious, delicious steak uh, there on your plate. So what... Is the state of California uh, planning on doing here to change the diet of 
cattle. I, I, is the state going to then require farmers to uh, uh, plow up their pastures to plant different types of uh, grasses, uh, ga- you know, grasses that produce less gases? Is that what we're talking about here? I mean, this is this is crazy. This is bizarre to me. Uh, and it is bizarre to a lot of the farmers in California uh, as well. The Guardian says the state's dairy industry has criticized the crackdown on methane leaking from cattle, launching a social media and email campaign that claims the ARB is overstepping its remit and raises the specter of exploding cows. <sighs> and nobody wants that. Unless you're a Monty Python fan or something. Uh, Anja Radabaugh, who's the chief executive of Western United Dairymen says the focus here is to highlight ARB's efforts at overregulating the dairy industry. By nature's design, cows pass lots of gas. Quite frankly, we want them to expel gas so they don't explode. The uh, Milk Producers Council has also attacked the uh, prospect of new regulation, the Guardian reports, uh, with the general manager, Rob Vandenhuvel, saying that the methane rules plan, or the methane rules plan, quote, threatens the future of the California dairy industry. It does. But keep in mind, you know, again, we have a lot of people who've been telling us that these small farmers are uh, killing the planet anyway. Uh, We should all be, you know, growing food in test tubes and uh, eating ant loaf or something like that. Mmm, bugs. Uh, Vanderhoevel says this is about fighting the ridiculously stupid go-it-alone strategy for implementing business-killing regulations aimed at reducing greenhouse gases. He said when the U.S. talks about going this direction... While countries like China refuse, I call that crazy. When a single state like California does it on its own, I call that absolutely insane. So in other words, this, uh, uh, the, the uh, general manager of the Milk Producers Council says, look, the United States tries to pass all of these emissions laws that the big polluters don't follow. Well, that doesn't make any damn sense. What's even worse, though, is when one state out of 50 says, okay, we're going to pass these regulations. You're going to have to abide by it, uh, dairyman. You're going to have to abide by it, cattleman. Uh, and the uh, dairy producers, the uh, cattle farmers, or the cattle ranchers in uh, 49 other states, they don't have to abide by these laws or these regs. That does put those farmers in California at a disadvantage. Now, here's the other side of this, though. Um, the... Activists who are pushing for these rules, they don't they don't want to keep these rules in California. Their response to Rob Vanden, who will be Rob, just give us a few years and we'll be back to a level playing field because across the country, uh, everyone else will be playing by these same rules. So it might seem a little unfair to you right now. You might be at a competitive disadvantage for a, a couple of years, but we are working hard in state houses across the country to ensure that every farmer in America also has to abide by similar regulations. I don't think that's going to make Rob feel any better. And it uh, shouldn't make farmers around the country feel very good either. The Guardian uh, newspaper did say that, uh, I guess, one bit of good news. uh, Neither California or the federal government, however, has yet adopted an idea from Argentina's government that large backpacks be strapped onto cows to trap methane and turn it into green energy. <laughs> how, would, how would that work? Uh, I'm just wondering. 
and who would put the backpacks on the cows? Because I got to say, when my neighbor's cows got loose earlier this year and were wandering around the pasture, it's not like they let us get close enough to touch them, uh, much less, you know, kneel down on the ground, uh, try to strap a backpack on a uh, big bovine. Uh, Who's, again, Who's going to do that? Who's then going to go up to the uh, cow with the methane-filled backpack on them and then take that backpack off? Who's going to do this? Who's going to ensure that the cows, as they're uh, wandering again through the pastures, as they're finding shade underneath trees, as they're going into the stock ponds uh, to cool off or to drink water, who's going to ensure that those backpacks don't fall off or don't get tangled on a tree branch. This seems, it seems like, and again, I don't know that this is the case, but it really seems to me like the people who are coming up with these rules haven't spent much time around cows. Now, that seems bizarre, but think about how this works with the gun control debate, right? We have a lot of people who are coming up with a lot of gun laws and proposals for gun laws who don't know the first thing about firearms. They really don't know the first thing about the gun laws in this country. They don't know how the laws are applied. They don't look at they, they don't know much except what they want. And I can't help but wonder if we're not seeing the same thing when it comes to California and cow farts. All right, stick around. We'll be back with more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network right after this. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. You want to see the economy turn around. You've got to make some big statements where investors can get excited. Number one, a balanced budget amendment. Come up with a budget every year. Stick to the budget. Number two, begin that plan of paying down the debt. Number three, bring about true tax reform. And then finally, lower the corporate income tax rate down to zero. The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Plays Radio Network. Cam Edwards with you one more segment here in this week's edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Uh, so via email, and again, the email address is 40acrefool at gmail.com, 40acrefool at gmail.com. We were talking uh, septic systems with Trent the other week, and I uh, mentioned our setup, which is we know we have a septic tank. I generally know where it is, um, but there's no vent ports. There's no exposed uh, ports or anything like that. So when it, I, I, I have no idea how we tell how full it is, if it needs to be serviced or anything like that. Uh, so Trent wrote back in. He says, Cam, we have the same situation here. There was not an exposed border vent. We will have been here five years this coming Labor Day weekend and had no issues. Uh, when we had issues, it was a gurgling in a drain and slow draining toilets. We had service out to pump the tank and they located and dug up the quote unquote tank. What we found was a common setup for this area when indoor plumbing was first introduced. Rather than a 1,000 gallon tank feeding a filter bed, a system of tile underground that allows the waste to leach into the soil over time. We had two cistern tanks, maybe 50 gallons apiece. 
those were plumbed in sequence and then fed a single line that around here usually tied into a field tile or dumped directly into a drainage ditch. At this point, Trent says, I spent January snaking out that drain for a few days, and that was successful. He said, considering the job situation, that was going to have to do plus septic work. It really here is only done from May through October. In June, he says, that was no longer good enough. Things backed up again. We put in a single line to temporarily get the system working, but a modern system is going to have to be put in. He says, that's my story. Here's my advice. They make probe poles to find septic tanks. Local hardware store may rent you one. Start of the house. Find the outflow. Use the probe to follow the pipe until you find the tank. Ours was only about 20 inches deep, so it's diggable with a hand shovel. Says you can uh, contact the local government and see what, if anything's on file with them, as local government, of course, can gets to tell you what you uh, what and how you can take care of the issue. He says if there's nothing on file, I would guess that you have a similar sort of system to mine, which is fine until that single drain pipe gets stopped. Things get sideways really quickly at that point. Uh, yeah, I would imagine so. So, like I said, I do know roughly uh, where the uh, the tank is um, because. Um, well, let's see, was it last winter? It was last winter when uh, Mr. Freckles, our goat, passed away. And he was sick, didn't want to eat Mr. Freckles. So uh, we dug a hole uh, to put Mr. Freckles in, and I ended up digging right over our septic tank. <laughs> it was cold, it was snowy, and I noticed there was this little spot on the uh, on the on the backyard area uh, as the uh, uh, hill sort of slopes down towards the creek that uh, didn't have as much snow. And I thought, okay, well, I'll I'll start digging there. And I got down, as you say, about twenty inches or so, and all of a sudden I hit something. And for a moment, Trent, I was really excited. I thought I had found treasure. <laughs> and then I started digging some more. And I was like, this isn't wood. This isn't a chest. This is, uh, this is concrete. Uh, and I, 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 oh, that's what it is. So I know um, on the, uh, uh, the plat for the land, um, we know where the leach field is. Although I'm, I'm, almost positive it's not exactly where the map says it is. Uh, But I did not dig out all the way to see if what we had was a thousand gallon tank or a uh, a two uh, cistern tanks. I I will say this though, indoor plumbing came to our farm a lot later than what I thought uh, it wasn't the early 20th century. It wasn't uh, after World War One or after World War Two. It was more like as the Vietnam War was winding down. That's when our house got indoor plumbing. Uh, so it may very well be that they did install a thousand gallon tank. Um, hearing stories about the uh, uh, parsimonious nature of the uh, family that owned the farm at the time, it may be that they did not go with a thousand gallon tank. It may be that uh, uh, they just decided to build their own, uh, you know, a, a tank. We, we've got a lot of do-it-yourself stuff here, um, but we haven't had any problems. I mean, we've been in the house now for 2013, 14, 15. It's so about three, a little more than three and a half years. And we haven't had any issues. We have one sink that is uh, slow to drain, but I I blame myself for that because that's the sink that I shave in, and I think it just gets clogged up. Um, But we haven't had any problems with the septic system. But we also have five people in the house, 
right? We have uh, three kids who no matter how many times you tell them, hey, don't use wads of toilet paper, you know, this is going to get clogged up. It's going to do bad things for the septic system. Um, They sometimes remember and they sometimes don't. So my concern is just that, you know, I, I would love to just have somebody come out and look and see what's going on. Um, I just I, I worry that even that would be a really big project. So what do you do? Do you dig up the uh, septic tank to find out eh, you're good uh, or do you uh, wait until there's a problem? I don't want to wait until there's a problem. You know, just like uh, the dairy men don't want uh, exploding cows in California, I don't want exploding septic systems uh, here in Virginia as well. So I do appreciate the advice, uh, Trent, and I uh, may very well ping you uh, offline and uh, talk to you more. Uh, also, uh, Rob wrote in with a headline uh, or a subject line, Why Aren't You Crazy Yet? Is that a request, Rob? I'm not sure. He says, Cam, I just got through watching Tuesday's Cam and Company. I realize that you are standing virtually alone as a media voice in favor of the Second Amendment. He says, I understand that there are many scattered hither and yon, but they're mostly guests on your show. Um, And he says, uh, I'm I'm passing over a couple of things, Rob, but uh, thank you for that. Uh, Excuse the metaphor, he says, but Cam and Company is a lighthouse, and you are the lighthouse keeper. Well, again, I, I really appreciate that. I don't think I stand alone. Um, Rob, I think that there are a lot of folks out there who are speaking up and speaking out. The problem is that, you know, you don't find them, uh, generally speaking, in the major newspapers in this country. You don't find them, generally speaking, in the uh, the buzz feeds uh, of the world. Even uh, even the you know, the, the sort of edgy journalism like Vice uh, is, is it's weird. They're I think in many cases pro drugs and anti-legal gun ownership. I, I, I don't get that. Um, certainly the broadcast networks, you don't find a lot of Second Amendment supporters. Not only do you not find a lot of Second Amendment supporters, again, you find a lot of reporters who cover the issue and don't know anything about the issue or they know very little about the issue that they're covering. I think, in fact, Rob, I, I think that's a, a bigger issue even than the lack of Second Amendment supporters in the media, I don't know that we've ever really had uh, a lot of uh, media uh, entities who are uh, gun owners themselves or who support the Second Amendment. But I do think that journalists have become much more ignorant, generally speaking, about these stories and the issues that they cover. And one of the things that I really enjoy about my job is that I get to focus uh, largely on one issue. So I, I think that I, you know, hopefully, if I've done my job right, I, I do know a little bit more about the issues that I'm covering uh, than maybe the, the mainstream media would know. But I, I think that's what I would fix. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't expect the media to become pro-gun, um, but I would like them to become competent at, at covering the issues that they're covering. And that goes beyond uh, the Second Amendment, by the way, we see this again throughout the media. Anyway, uh, Rob says, uh, in addition to everything going on in the news, he says, being a family man, I understand the responsibility that that entails. Kids can be both the most rewarding experience uh, and the most aggravating. And then there's Miss E 
what can I say? He says, having lived a while, I know love's highs and lows as well. Uh, right now, you have to be just so worried about her and just know that you are not the only one who is. There are many people who you've never met who care deeply what happens to you, your wife and your family, and to your mission here on Earth. I just wanted to say that. Rob says, I hope it didn't come off as too mushy. Not at all, Rob. I, uh, I really appreciate that. And, you know, you know this as well, Rob, as the... Uh, as the man of the house, as the as the patriarch, as the the husband and father, um, whether this comes from you know society's expectations or your family's expectations or just your expectations, for me, I want to be able to shoulder these burdens. I, I want to be able to take this pressure off of Miss E and these kids, and I want my family to know. That I've got their back, that uh, that they can count on me. So the good news is, Rob, uh, I have broad shoulders. I have a strong back. Uh, I can uh, I can bear up to a lot of burdens. Uh, I will not lie to you. It has uh, this has not been the best summer of my life, <laughs> honestly. Um, but at the same time, I'm also very very cognizant of the fact that things could be a lot worse. So I do appreciate that, uh, and and you know, knowing that um, uh, that you're out there thinking about me, Rob, and and Rob's been with me since the beginning of NRA News Cam and Company. I've never actually met Rob in person. One of these days, Rob. One of these days. As a matter of fact, I'm actually going to be out in California. I don't know how close I'm going to be because I'm not going to be in Southern California, but I am going to be in California a few weeks, and I would love to get the opportunity to uh, to say hello to you at some point, but. It really does mean a lot uh, to know that uh, you're thinking about us and you're uh, keeping us in your thoughts. Um, I'd ask, again, uh, anybody else who wants to uh, pass along their well wishes to Miss E, uh, certainly, uh, you know, you, you know the Instagram account for Miss E and the uh, farm. It's at Corny Goat Farm on Instagram. Uh, feel free to uh, uh, talk to her there, but I know that she'd appreciate the, uh, the email well wishes as well. So... That about does it for this week's edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. We will be back with you again next week. In the meantime, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot, and we'll talk to you here soon with another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.